0: People are stupid. Live to tape.
1: Welcome to Millennial 432.
2: I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. I'm Pamela.
1: And we're joined by one of our listeners this week. She is a patron, evidently kind of a friend of Pam's, we just found out before recording, at least a Facebook friend of Pam's. Kelsey, welcome to the show.
0: Hi, thank you so much for having me.
1: Yeah, it's great to have you on. We have a lot to talk to you about today and uh, you even came up with a game for us, which we're going to do in After Dark. It's going to force us to look ourselves in the mirror and it's going to be hard, but that's what you got to do sometimes. But um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where do you live? What do you do?
0: Yeah, so I am from the Bay Area, born and raised um, in California, and I currently am a public speaking teacher at a bunch of my local community colleges. Very nice. I also uh, coach a nationally award-winning speech and debate team at one of my schools, so that's pretty fun. It keeps me busy. That oh is wow! Awesome. This show must drive you nuts. <laughs> <laughs> It's not that bad. I do have a sensitivity for some things, but I can tune it out for the most part because my students drive me nuts, too. So there's that.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. They, they keep you grounded, don't they? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Bring you back to how these these peasants talk. But um, <laughs> no, it's, it's great to have you on. Like I said, we have a lot to talk to you about today. Um, but Pam, first, we got to start with you. So you were away last week because you were in Vegas and uh, two things to talk to you about. First of all, how did you meet a Backstreet Boy? And was that the goal of the trip, to see the Backstreet Boys? Is that why you went <laughs> no. to begin with?
2: No, it was not. So we went to Vegas because my friend Andrea, who we all know, actually, because we go way back to, really wanted to go see the Backstreet Boys residency in Vegas. And I was like, yeah, I'm down to do that. That sounds like a great time. And I was already going to be in L.A., it's not very far from LA to get to Vegas. So my friend Michelle and I decided to drive out there and like meet her. And then we kind of turned it into this big long trip. But the first night we were there, we went to see the Backstreet Boys residency, which I definitely recommend. I think they're on hiatus now, but I think they're going to bring it back. So if you're interested go Mm -hmm. because it's a great time (laughs) and we actually didn't pay a lot for tickets because we bought them last minute and they're technically like nosebleeds so right before we're supposed to go we found out through a mutual friend about this like official after party thing that they have and the tickets were really cheap for that I think it was like 20 or 30 dollars and since we hadn't paid a lot for tickets to the actual show we were just kind of like okay let's go to that so we went and then lo and behold two hours into that, like, three of the Backstreet Boys come out, and this place is really small. It's a club at the Paris Resort and Casino, and it's right under the Eiffel Tower, and so everybody's having a good time, and then all of a sudden, Brian started taking selfies with people, and we were pretty close to the, like, the area that they were kind of hyping up the crowd at, but really, it's a testament to how great drunk girls treat each other, because... The girls in front of us were taking selfies, and then the last girl in that row was like, All right, ladies, roll out. And she pushed me forward and she was like, You live your best life. And then I <laughs> grabbed my friends and we snapped a selfie, and that's that. So that it was is purely so by chance and also kindness of strangers.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's a classic Vegas story you've got now.
2: I guess so. It's <laughs> way better than like the horror stories. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, I don't know if I ever told this story on the show. I got scammed. I bought fake Britney Spears tickets once.
2: <laughs> oh, no. no. How much did you pay? Oh,
1: too much. Like, at least $200 for oh. the pair. Yeah. But it was totally my fault. My idiot ass goes and uh, meets up with a guy I met through Craigslist. I meet him in a hotel lobby. He walks in, like, 20, 30 minutes late. That should have been the first, time, first sign this was bad news. Um, He's looking around as, you know, he walks in, you know, looking over his shoulder, looking all sketchy. I go through with the transaction anyway because, you know, I was there. But <laughs> I, I take the tickets, you know, I hand over the money. He bolts out of there. I start walking back to the hotel room. I look at the tickets. They are clearly photocopied. <laughs> tickets and even worse the photoshopping on the date is so bad the font doesn't match the rest of the ticket i'm just like fuck i like run back to look for him but it was he was already long gone so anyway that's a bad vegas story for you
0: (laughs) yeah that that's pretty bad
1: yeah i was really mad at myself like
2: nobody got hurt on my trip nobody cried nobody got blacked out i feel like it was that's all you can ask for.
1: Yeah, yeah. What do you make of these residencies? Like the Backstreet Boys, they're what? Probably in their mid-40s now. Are they too young to be doing a residency? Like back in the day, Vegas was, was reserved for like Frank Sinatra and these, these older bands. I, I heard Aerosmith is performing there soon. They're going to have a residency. Gaga has her residency, which I talked about last week. What's with these people retiring to Vegas at a young age?
2: It's like nostalgia is in right now. But also, I will tell you that I don't think I'm not like in my late teens or early 20s anymore. But most of the people at the show were at least 10 years older than us. Mm. So, I mean, I mean, people were cheering because at one point, I think it was Nick said, like, raise your hand if you went to high school in the 90s, (laughs) (laughs) the entire crowd erupted, save for like... R.O. and maybe a few other people in other places but <laughs> uh-huh. I really think that specifically with a band like the Backstreet Boys that had such a long career and is still they're still making music it's kind of hard to believe how long ago they started yeah but you know they they probably were right off of the heels of new kids and new kids was 80s so the Backstreet Boys started early 90s if not a little bit before you're talking about like the foundation of the group so yeah i mean they're a little young but their fan base i don't think is as young as we maybe perceive them to be in our brains
1: that's true they uh britney definitely changed the idea that only older acts go to vegas i mean
2: oh definitely she definitely made it cool like it's not donnie and marie and celine anymore it's Right. young people too
1: right elton he's been there forever though he just wrapped up his run um, uh, that said britney is an embarrassing performer she does not sing live she doesn't change her set list there's nothing happening and that's why vegas is such a great but fit for her We give
2: britney a pass because she had a hard life okay oh, just <laughs> for a little, little bit she went she's, a little crazy and everybody's just happy that she's she's happy i think at this point i think that she's one of the only people that everybody universally gives a pass to Mm -hmm. which is really funny but at least you know what you're gonna get she's not hiding it
1: that's true yeah she can dance i'll give her that um and then we have to follow up on this because we brought it up last week how did you accidentally spend twenty dollars on avocado toast what's wrong with you
2: (laughs) i don't know i was really tired that morning i had to take the train from my friend michelle's house she lives closer to disneyland all the way out to Uh, right around Universal Studios, so that's probably a good barometer of distance for those of you that maybe only visited theme parks out in LA, and it was the only cafe around, and I went, and I was looking at the menu, and I think the toast was $16, but I didn't see the one in front of the six, so I thought, well, $6 is a little pricey, but I guess I'll go with it, and then I was just too embarrassed to Ask for price clarification after the <laughs> girl rang me up.
1: That's so funny.
2: And then I still left a nice tip because I'm a decent human, so I still tipped 20%. Oh so it actually God. ended up being closer to $25. Oh.
0: To oh be my fair, God.
2: it looked really good. It did. Thank you. I posted in the millennial gro- group because I felt like I needed to, you know, kind of explain a little bit more since y'all threw me under the bus when I wasn't here. <laughs> uh, everybody's seen the avocado toast in question and
1: i'm just i was just concerned if if you can't make out a number on a menu i'm wondering what else is going on that might be I problematic mean, like,
2: running on three hours of sleep but they all these fancy places too i swear to god they make the menu font very small yeah so i'm gonna blame it on that and lack of sleep and yeah. lack of caffeine you know what else but cracks never me again, up? again. I'm gonna just hold that menu right up to my eyes next time.
1: <laughs> I, what also cracks me up is dark restaurants. These le- these restaurants where you need to bring out your phone's flashlight to read the menu. What the fuck?
0: I can't stand that kind of stuff. Like it's all about the ambiance. I need to be able to see what I'm eating though. <laughs> like I don't know yeah. what it is. I just I I don't like it.
1: I agree. Um, Alright, so Kelsey, we're going to spend some time with you in a moment. But first, I just want to give a shout out to some of our newest patrons. Anne, Priscilla, Evan, Whitney, Sushila, hopefully I'm pronouncing your name right. Jasmine, Paige, Amber, Kaylee, Emma, Marissa. Just wanted to say thank you to our newest patrons. Those who pledge get early access to the show via our live stream, you get weekly installments of After Dark, you get ad-free versions of the show... And most importantly, you're helping us keep the lights on. Your financial support goes to producing, editing, publishing, everything that we do. Your support lets us carve out time to create the show in the first place. So without you, we couldn't do this. So thank you very much to everybody who pledges over at patreon.com slash millennial. We have lots of benefits. Even if you pledge right now for your first time, you're going to get instant access to a lot of stuff and you're helping us out. So thank you. And Kelsey, thank you as well. You are a patron. That's why you're on the show today.
0: Yeah, I've listened since the very beginning. So I'm more than happy to support.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you for saying that. And you have great audio.
0: Oh, thank you. Wow. (laughs) She
1: really does. I'm turned on right now.
2: It's still clear. (laughs) I didn't know I
0: could have that effect on you, Andrew.
1: <laughs> I didn't need you know audio it's just men and audio that's that's <laughs> those are the two things that get me.
0: Right. <laughs> that's the secret.
1: Okay, duly noted. You said that you are what technically do you teach again?
0: It's te- technically called communication studies, but it consists of public speaking, interpersonal, small group, debate, those sorts of things.
1: Okay. Okay. So, um we wanted to talk today about why our listeners should study public speaking. Why is it important, Kelsey? Tell us.
0: Well, first, I want to start off with a question for you all. Have you all taken a public speaking course? Yes. Yes. Oh, excellent. Not formally. Okay. What do you mean by that? <laughs> um, well, when
3: I was in, I think, either middle school or high school, there was a class that they gave everybody called Adolescent Development, and there was a public speaking portion of that class. Interesting. Uh, And I also used to be a teacher. Yeah. So
0: I think some of it comes in handy there. But yeah, for sure. Um, So then Andrew and Pam, did you take a public speaking course because it was like a general education requirement? Or did you take it just because you wanted to? Like, what was the purpose of you taking the course? Mine was a GE. Yeah,
1: mine was as well. And I was talking to you about this before the show. It was an interpersonal communication class. I didn't really know much about what that would entail going into it, but it ended up being one of the most life-changing classes i ever had.
0: Yeah, and pretty much most people end up taking a public speaking class or some other communication class because it's a requirement and because they f- have this fear of public speaking. And most people will avoid public speaking if they're ever given the choice to do so. Um, but there are a lot of reasons why you should take a public speaking class or like embrace having to take a public speaking class for a GE requirement. And so some of the reasons that I came up with to share with the listeners today, um, the first one is that you can learn how to present a coherent idea to an audience. And this can be one of the most important things for millennials, because we all love having our platforms. We all love making sure that everyone knows our opinions. And we want to make sure that when we share those ideas with other people, that they are able to understand the messages that we are sending. But In addition to just getting our voices heard, Public speaking and communication skills are the number one thing that employers look for that they aren't really getting. I found this great article from the BBC that says that a survey of more than 600 employers in 2014 found that among the top skills recruited for, oral communication was number one and presenting skills was number four. But um, only 12% of people responding to a different survey said that they would willingly step aside Uh, to let someone else give a presentation. So we like to avoid public speaking, but it can really get you ahead in the job. Um, If, For example, if you are interviewing for a job, it's really helpful for you to be able to sell yourself and persuade the company or whoever it is you're trying to get to hire you to hire you. But then if you also have to give presentations later on in the job, it can help you to do that, or to potentially get promotions or raises. It really just helps with your overall communication skills. And Mm. finally, uh, public speaking helps you with researching in our everyday lives. And I feel like this is something that is really important, especially in today's day and age, because we need to be able to look at a piece of information or listen to a speech that a politician is giving and know whether that message is good or bad, if we should be persuaded by it or not, and listen for things like logical fallacies, whether the speaker is attacking another speaker's position or if they are attacking the speaker themselves, for example. So there are a lot of things that public speaking can really help to tune us to when it comes to encountering our everyday lives.
3: Hmm,
1: I never would have guessed that um, taking a public speaking course would enlighten you in terms of... Uh, discerning whether information is good or bad. That's interesting.
0: Yeah, I, I spend a whole section in my class about teaching my students how to conduct research, both on Google, because I know that that's the tool that they're going to use, as well as through the school's Databases and looking for legitimate news sources and academic news sources, things like that. And I also spend a lot of time talking about logic and fallacies and ad hominems, slippery slopes, all of that kind of stuff. So I definitely have focused on that more a lot more recently, uh, simply because of the climate that we're living in these days.
1: Yeah. And you mentioned job interviews. I I think it would also be really important just to be memorable. Yeah. If you're good at public speaking, if you can walk up to a stranger and give a really good interview and maybe offer a unique personality, whether or not it's real, just make that good first right. impression. I would imagine that helps loads when they're considering all their their uh potential employees.
0: Yeah. I'll
2: say that what that, that has definitely helped me in the I it was my class was an oral communications 101 class, which was really nice because San Francisco State makes those courses very small entry level. So you can kind of get your feet wet in a safer environment, I guess, for people that might struggle with that. Mm -hmm. But I think that the little I learned there coupled with even what we do on here on podcasting really helps me whenever I go into interview for everything, because it's so easy to get sidetracked when they're asking you questions, and you're trying to jam in, all of this good stuff about yourself. Mm-hmm. But just knowing that I need to bring it back to their original
0: question yeah,
2: is really helpful. And that's something that I definitely picked up from the one course I took, yeah. is always relating it back to what they're asking you.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think that it really helps you to remain centered and to speak eloquently, like, like Andrew was saying. And that can really help you to stand out, for sure.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: So what are some tips you can give us for being successful when you are publicly speaking. <laughs> <laughs> when or, you are speaking in Or podcasting. In yeah, yes.
0: so... There's a few things that I know that my students come into my classroom with, um, and the public speaking anxiety is one of those. And so the first thing that I always, well, not the first thing, but one of the things I tell my students is to think about their audience and to think about what their audience is thinking when you're up there standing giving a speech. And in a classroom-like situation, your audience is also going to be giving speeches for probably the first time, so they are just as nervous as you are. But even if you aren't in a classroom situation, no one who's listening to a message that you're sending is wanting you to fail. Ultimately, we don't like seeing other people mess up when we are trying to listen to a message that they're giving, and it kind of gives us that secondhand anxiety a lot of the time. So... We know and we can know in our heads that our audience doesn't want us to fail and they're not like cheering for us to fall down. And I think that that can really help to lessen some of that speech anxiety. But a couple other questions that you can ask yourself is whether the audience is understanding your message, how you can make yourself more clear. To your audience. So, am I talking too fast? Am I using language that my audience won't understand? What questions might they have? Um, that's one of the things we teach in persuasion: is what objections might the other, might your audience have? So, if they were playing devil's advocate, for example. Um, a couple other things just to keep in mind is that typically when you are giving a speech, it's a lot bigger in your head. It seems like when you're standing in front of a classroom and you're super duper nervous that your hands are shaking visibly and that your voice is quivering and all of those sorts of things but really it's not as bad as you think it is and your audience probably isn't going to be able to tell that you are nervous unless you tell them that you are and in fact having nerves around public speaking is perfectly normal and Confession, I'm nervous right now, right? This is my first time (laughs) ever on a podcast, and I have 13 years of public speaking experience, like half my life, and I still get nervous when I do public speaking. I had my first day of class for fall semester this morning. I was nervous then because it was a new audience. I don't know how these students are going to react to me. I don't know whether they're going to laugh at my jokes, those sorts of things. So I get nervous too. Everyone does. It's perfectly normal. And the best way to reduce those nerves is to practice, practice, practice. And this is for a couple different reasons. First, it helps us to increase our own knowledge of our topic and really get to know how we're going to be talking about things, what order we're talking about things, where we found information, those sorts of things. And that can help to decrease your nerves because the more comfortable you are with it, the like that's one less thing to worry about. And you can also do things like practice the tone of voice that you're going to talk with, when you're going to pause in your speech, any gestures, facial expressions, all of those sort of nonverbals. You can practice all of that in front of a mirror, and that just makes you more and more comfortable with the speech the more that you practice it. So those are really the biggest things because I know that nerves are really the biggest problem that a lot of people have with public speaking. So I hope that that can help someone.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, that was super interesting. Thank you for sharing all that. Yeah. Actually, I actually have a question about the audience. You you said what what is the audience thinking? Yeah. And you laid out a couple of points. Is there any data on what on <laughs> how many people are actually paying attention in a classroom setting like that? Because I also I have to think that some of the students aren't thinking at all. <laughs>
0: about yeah. What's happening? Yeah. That can definitely be an issue. Um, in my classroom, though, I try to limit the distractions as much as possible. Uh, so I don't let them have their phones or any computers or tablets or anything like that. They have to be like uh, mentally present for the speeches. I also make them mm-hmm. do peer reviews of one another. So they have to watch in depth at least one speech and give that person feedback. So I do have yeah. some t- tips and tricks for how to present, but definitely you're going to get those people in your audience whose minds are just kind of wandering off. And usually you can tell when that's happening. You can look at the nonverbals that that person is sending you, and you should be prepared to have a way to kind of get them back and get them interested in what you're saying again. So it's definitely all about reading that audience and seeing where their minds are when it comes to your speech.
3: I have to say... um... We, when we're doing the podcast, we try to prep a lot of our notes for stories that we're going to be talking about. And I feel like just for myself, you know, I've definitely had off weeks where I did not prep or practice as much as I should have. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I, I can tell there's a discernible difference. Yeah. Yeah. In the quality of what I delivered on those weeks. Whereas I feel like when I take the time to sit down for an hour or so I just really like flesh out the points that I'm going to be making, and kind of try practicing some of the things I'm planning on saying to see how they sound when they're, you know, out loud, as opposed to in my head, it makes a huge difference.
0: Oh, yeah, Yeah. because there's just so much buzzing around in our heads all the time that what makes sense to us might not make sense out loud. So definitely just saying something can really help us to say, "Ooh, you know, that didn't quite sound how I wanted it to. Let me try changing that.
1: Yeah, I do that with our ads. When I'm typing up what I'm going to say, I actually say it out loud as well in real time (laughs) to to practice the flow and all of that.
2: Absolutely. I do that with interviews, like if I especially if I'm recording it for a podcast, I will nine times out of 10 be practicing question delivery and tone right up until I park the car to go do it. Interesting. Mm hmm. (laughs)
1: And I know the the biggest uphill battle for me doing this show is that we record on Monday nights Mm -hmm. and just by the end of the day, personally speaking, my my brain is kind of fried. Mm -hmm. So it's like processing more at the end of, you know, 10 hours of a, you know, after having gotten up 10 hours ago and basically starting work right away. it's It's a long day. But these were some great tips and practice, practice, practice is definitely the one that I would hammer home.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when I try to hammer home to my students, whether I get through or not is another issue.
1: Yeah. Right. And then in terms of bringing it back to the millennial angle, I definitely agree with you that for job interviews, public speaking is a great thing to study and practice before you go into an interview. Yeah, It makes a lot of sense standing yeah. out.
0: It's one of the most marketable Help. skills out there.
1: So you're 26? I am. Yeah. How are you enjoying teaching so far and how many years have you been a teacher?
0: I actually just realized this morning that this is I'm going into my 5th year of teaching now. So, congrats. Thank you. Yeah, so I absolutely love it. I love how every semester I have something new even though I'm teaching the same stuff over and over again. I get a new set of students every single every 4 months. So, it that, that definitely helps me to keep things fresh and The students can definitely make or break a class, which can be really, really interesting.
1: Mm. Did you always want to be a teacher growing up?
0: Yeah. I mean, except for when I was a really little kid, you know, I wanted to be like a marine biologist or a dolphin trainer at SeaWorld or something like that. (laughs) But um, Uh ever since like middle high school, I always knew I wanted to be a teacher. And, you know, I started off saying, oh, you know, I want to teach little kids. I want to teach elementary school. And then I did like a summer camp with little kids. And I said, nope, that's not happening. (laughs) Um, So I just kind of went up and up the age ladder until I took my first public speaking class and said, okay, this, this is what I want to be teaching. And so I just kind of went from there.
1: That's awesome. And good for you for, you know, you're lucky in a way to have discovered what you wanted to do at a relatively young age. And clearly, you've you've got it together. And you sound like a great teacher. I'd I'd love for you to teach me. Well, thank you. <laughs> I'd love to be in your class. <laughs> uh, yeah, cool. Any other questions, ladies?
3: No, or but I think Kelsey, Kelsey's going to be able to give us some great advice throughout the show today.
1: <laughs> yeah, or just we'll email you from time to time and be like,
2: "Help, help! What do I do?" <laughs> it also makes me feel a lot more normal that. But- You know, I talk to myself and practice what I'm (laughs) going to say, because I really thought
0: that I was the only one. (laughs) Nope. A lot of us are talking to ourselves in the mirror.
1: That's something that really plagues us all in general. Everybody thinks they're kind of alone in any Mm -hmm. sort of struggle, but really we are not. Yeah. Whether it's public speaking or anything else, it's just such an important thing to remember.
2: It's very deep, Andrew. Well, yeah, it's true. It's true. It's nice. It's a really nice sentiment.
1: I've had this idea for a website for the longest time, and I think I've told Laura about this at least, maybe some other people. I want to make a site called Not Alone, and it's just where you read stories from other people sharing your struggles about anything, relationships, money, public speaking, (laughs) podcasting, horrible upstairs neighbors, just so you don't feel like you're alone. Thanks,
3: Andrew. Aww. That's really sweet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He says anyway, that because my upstairs um, neighbor is and, and being ke- a bitch right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, she messaged us. What's she doing? Can you share?
3: Just mostly like the volume level, which I don't I don't particularly care. It's just kind of like, oh, I'm podcasting right now. Like, come on. Or well,
1: yeah, you gotta do what I did to my shitty neighbors a few months ago. They were like, talk on the phone a little. Quieter, please. She was yelling at me, remember? I said, I'm not on the phone of podcasting!
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure that would make a difference. probably just
0: get even louder. Uh, yeah.
3: Well, anyway, speaking of things that require preparation, we do have a few news stories ahead, including some hidden from the headlines. But first, a quick word from one of our sponsors, Rothy's. Why does style have to mean zero comfort? How sick are you of blisters and sore knees and feet from wearing heels all day? Well, look no further than Rothy's. They make the insanely stylish and comfortable flat that is helping save the world from plastic by repurposing it into a shoe that will surely become the new staple of your wardrobe. It will blow your mind that these are made from recycled plastic water bottles because they are so soft on top of that it comes in three fashionable styles the flat the point and the loafer the color and pattern selection is amazing and they're always updating their lineup they launch new colors every few weeks and sell out constantly I get so many compliments whenever I wear my magenta racing pointed flats. They're this beautiful plum color with baby blue racing stripes on the sides. And I always feel so fashionable at work without my feet aching from wearing uncomfortable dress shoes all day. And to top it all off, Rothy's are machine washable, because let's face it, feet sweat and flats can get stinky pretty quick. But take out your Rothy's insoles and throw them in your washing machine with the flats and they come out looking brand spanking new. It's awesome. Mm. I love my Rothy's and I know you will too, Right now, Rothy's has an amazing deal for our listeners. Use code MIL to get free shipping with no minimum purchase amount required. In addition to the free shipping, you'll also get free returns and exchanges on your Rothy's shoe. And trust me, you won't want to return them. Go to rothys.com, that's R-O-T-H-Y-S.com, and enter M-I-L-L to get your cute shoes and free shipping. It's a no-brainer. These are shoes that are comfortable, stylish, and sustainable. And don't forget the free shipping. Go and get yourself a pair today and be part of the solution and look awesome doing it. Rothy's.com, promo code M-I-L-L. Get this deal while it lasts.
1: That's fantastic. I would Mm -hmm. hit like on that on Facebook. (laughs) And soon there might be more to press on Facebook. They have started testing a new downvote system in the posts of comments. Thank you, Brooklyn, for shaking as I speak. Um, They started testing this about two weeks ago. This comes a few years after Mark Zuckerberg had said that they would be trying to roll out some form of a dislike button. Because we've always had the like button. So people naturally wondered, will there be a downvote button? We sort of got that when they started rolling out these emotions where you can heart a post or sad a post or whoa a post or mad a post. (laughs) But as if that, those weren't enough, now in the comments, there's a little up-down, up-up, up-vote, down-vote button next to the comment. These are in addition to the reaction buttons on the comments. It looks very similar to Reddit. The key here to me, and now Facebook hasn't officially commented on this yet other than saying, yes, they are testing this. The key here to me seems to be that this is anonymous up-down voting. So unlike the like button or any of those reactions, if you upvote or downvote, nobody knows what you hit. But you still get to see the total number of votes. I find this weird because now we have to like something and up-downvote it. It just seems, seems like too much. Why are you giving all this to us to do it feels like we're starting to have chores to do on Facebook that we have to <laughs> housekeep the comment section of every damn post does anybody here would would any of you use these up down vote buttons if they do roll this out worldwide
2: maybe, maybe i don't know probably not i don't also am i the only person that doesn't really read the comments on other people's posts though
1: See, I'm glad you bring that up. I actually love reading the comments of news posts, Uh, like on the New York Times. That's one of my favorite things to do if it's like a post that.
2: Why are you going to bring more negativity into your life, man?
1: No, it's good stuff, though. Like I go to New York Times and I read, I see an article about how awful Trump is. And then I go in the comments and people are reinforcing what I already know. And sometimes they do it in a funny way. So I have a great time. That's different.
2: (laughs) yeah, I mean, for the most part, I I don't think I have a lot of news that's going on on my feed, thankfully, or I think I would go crazy. But if I'm on Facebook and I'm reacting to a friend's post, nine times out of ten, I'm going to like it and not bother to extend it and read what anybody else had to say on there.
1: Interesting. Laura, Kelsey, do you two look at the comments?
0: I do sometimes, but... For the most part, like if I'm on Reddit, for example, I hardly ever interact with the upvote, downvote buttons. Like I'm much more of a lurker and I just really don't care enough, I guess, to upvote or downvote. And I kind of agree with what you said, Andrew, that it's just too much. Like why do we have to react emotionally and then also upvote, downvote? Like (laughs) just stop it. (laughs) Yeah. I'm also a lurker when it comes to Reddit.
3: Um, But I do enjoy the comments themselves. So I don't interact, but I get a chuckle out of reading that stuff. But with Facebook, I feel like there's a sense of accountability that's being taken away by doing this. You know what I mean? Because, like, at least the way that it Hmm. stands now, if you see that somebody liked or disliked something, you get a sense of how they feel about something. So if somebody put up an article – like Donald Trump says Mexicans are rapists. And you see like five of your friends put the angry face, you're like, okay, these five friends aren't assholes. And then you see that like your racist uncle loved it, you can be like, well, cool, I'm never going to speak to you again. So I I feel like there is sort of a <laughs> lack of accountability here where people can sort of like, hide behind their boxes, you know, their computers and and just sort of like, Mm-hmm. reinforce their existing echo chamber, which is I feel like something Facebook is trying to get away from.
1: Yeah. I feel like this is just trying to clean up the comments and I'm not sure it's necessary because A, you can already report comments if they're problematic. I guess this makes it a little bit easier by just downloading it. But B, the best comments float to the top of popular posts anyway it shows you the quote unquote top comments and is usually the most liked comments. And that's how I read all the good stuff.
0: I, I think that this is probably a way for them to maybe tweak that algorithm a little bit more um, so yeah. that you can see like your top comments maybe, but I don't know.
1: Yeah, I guess we'll see, but I think we all seem to be in agreement that there's just too much happening now between the like button and the up downvote button it's like whoa that's overkill and plus oh share oh and maybe comment too oh and then text it to your friends all these different options all right what else is going on pam
2: (laughs) well here's something you guys might be downvoting Uh, according to the today show there's a new reason why us millennials can't afford to buy our own property and that is destination weddings and also bachelor slash bachelorette parties. Apparently, we're just spending way too much money on going to our friends big days. And that's why we're not buying houses at the rate that our predecessors were. So here's the interesting thing. The research here in the story that the Today Show highlighted is actually from Zillow, who is, of course, a really big real estate app. And um, There's not very many sources that kind of fuel the point that they've laid out. Uh, In fact, um, they didn't back up most of their estimated sources, which claim that Each of us probably is going to attend about nine destination weddings in our 20s, uh, which brings us to a total of about 13. This is like the funniest story I've ever heard. I can't even take this seriously. This is so ridiculous, right? Like first we're responsible for the demise of mayonnaise and now we just go to too many weddings so we can't afford houses.
1: So they said that it totaled, if you take nine destination weddings, that would cost you about... $13,500. $13,500. I think that part could potentially add up. But who the fuck is going to an average of nine destination weddings in their 20s you know, or early 30s? Dylan is also
2: assuming that half of us actually leave the house and have a social life. I'm at home all the time.
1: Right. Right, Pam. You're so right. I've been to zero destination weddings Shame. and I'm 29.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah. But also, like I, I feel like most of us... If we didn't have money to go, we'd be like, sorry, pal. You decided to get married in, I don't know, upstate New York. And I live in California and I can't afford to go to your wedding. So. Right. Yeah. I have fun. I'll like all your pictures on Facebook.
1: My understanding of destination weddings is that if it is a destination wedding, you don't have to give the newlyweds a gift.
3: Have you three heard this? Uh, well, I would fucking hope so. Because if somebody's going <laughs> to make me fly to Puerto Rico for their wedding, I'm not buying them shit. Right, right. I
2: bought my plane what ticket. Does, do you know what does get expensive, though, is actually being asked to be in weddings. Yep. Yeah. Especially for like for women because of the bridesmaid's dresses, which you then can't return. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, it's not even to your taste. Yeah, no, they're ugly as fuck. They're they're super ugly. At least men can like rent a tax, return it, find a good deal. Guys don't usually care very much, but right, women you have to buy the shoes, you have to buy the dress. A lot of times they want you to get your hair done, and then on top of that you have the bachelorette parties, and also you have to bring a gift. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah,
4: it's expensive.
0: A lot. I was really lucky when my aunt and uncle got married because um, I was a bridesmaid in their wedding and they like the bride just didn't give a shit. Basically. She let us, she said, as long as the dress is blue, that's fine. And, um, we just went down to the Santa Cruz beach boardwalk for the, uh, for the bachelorette party, but it was, def- it definitely didn't cost me an arm and a leg. And I got to use the dress for prom that year too, cause I was still in high school. Um, but yeah, it de- weddings can definitely get super expensive if you do have a bride who gives a shit.
1: I've also been thinking, who has the nerve to have a destination wedding? You have to have the nerve to make your family and friends travel for you, fly somewhere, potentially very far. It just seems insane to me to make people do that, on top of all the normal costs associated with travel and or attending a wedding.
3: My understanding of the destination wedding trend is that it's intended to do the opposite of what you're talking about, Andrew. It's intended to cut down on the number of guests or to prevent certain guests that you don't want to come from coming. Like I know somebody who's getting married in Italy next year, and it is 100% because um, they and their wife do not want the in-laws coming, like the bride's parents Oh wow! Yeah, so like, it it can definitely be to cut down on that. I also have a friend who got married in Jamaica a couple months ago, and it was like close friends and family only. I think their entire wedding party was six people, and then their both sets of parents came, and that was it.
1: Hmm. But still, if you do get invited, you gotta you gotta pay all those costs. So you still gotta have think- some nerve.
2: You just have to be honest with those people, you know, like my sister, for example, my beautiful baby sister is currently going on her third year of dating this great guy. His name is Rafa. He is a pro basketball player out of Europe and he's from Cyprus. So because she's family, I know someday she'll probably want to get married over there because he has a way bigger family than we do. But we all just keep telling her, Jackie, you know, if you're going to do this, you better give us at least a year to save up. Because that's not something any of us would want to miss. But at the same time, if she decides she's going to get married in two months, three months, and she's already over there, we're all just going to have to be like, sorry, we can't
0: go. Yeah. You know? And I think that that is like an expectation that the um, that the people who are getting married probably have, is that they they know that some people that they invited probably aren't going to be able to make it if they do this destination wedding so
2: all right so we know that we are consistently getting blamed for the demise of a multitude of different businesses and sanctions but uh (laughs) let's kind of switch gears a little bit and talk a little bit about the baby boomers who you know clearly don't have enough money to retire so with that in mind why do we think that they're so dependent on social security why didn't they you know think hard about how they were going to save money for themselves or also save money so that we wouldn't be in mountains of debt for student loans
1: it's all the bingo they play at their local community center yeah
2: i think it's the fact that you know my grandparents need to have two separate sets of china (laughs) (laughs) you got (laughs) the good china and then like the regular china and then the in-between china yeah four sets of silverware I think it's the fact that they
3: keep their cable subscription so they can watch Fox News. Stream (laughs) that shit,
2: guys.
1: Oh, my God. And I heard they killed ketchup.
2: (laughs) And the frozen food industry.
4: Yeah.
3: Not to mention all of the wars that they've gotten us into. Just like there are some millennials who don't remember a time that we weren't in a war somewhere. Mm-hmm.
1: They attended all these destination wars. They blew through all their <laughs> savings. And now they're working till they're in the grave.
3: <laughs> well, I mean, not to mention they bought houses they couldn't afford and then completely fucked our economy.
1: Oh, that's that didn't right. help. Yeah. <laughs> by the way, I was deeply, deeply offended by that article about millennials killing Mayo. I single handedly. Keep mayo in business (laughs) in the entire Midwest. I love mayo. That's
2: good because you can love it enough for the both of us. I hate mayonnaise.
1: Uh, Andrew, I'm in your
0: I love mayonnaise.
1: Yeah. Do you eat a Chick-fil-A? Yes. You spread mayo all over that sandwich?
0: Mm, I'm more of a Chick-fil-A sauce gal, but I I can see that.
1: Yeah. Try it sometime if you haven't already. It's a great party. Yeah, they're meant to be together like peanut butter and jelly, in my opinion. (laughs) All right. Well, we have more show to get to today, including hidden from the headlines. But first, it's time to hear from another one of our sponsors. They are Policy Genius. We've told you about them before. If you haven't visited them by now, you really need to get on that. They are the go-to place for anyone searching for insurance policies of all types. They have insurance policies for everything you need. But they've really been promoting their life insurance policies lately. Turns out most people think life insurance is really confusing, which may explain why 4 out of 10 people don't have it. Maybe you're one of those people. Don't be that person. If anything were to happen to you, it's important that your loved ones are taken care of. Besides, life insurance rates are actually the lowest they've been in 20 years. Policy Genius is the way to quickly and easily compare Quotes from the top insurers to find the best policy for you, whether it's for life, health, dental, pets, house, renters, it's all there. And that's the genius of it. One simple site to go to, to find the best rates. How does it work? You visit the site, you click the type of policy you're looking for, it'll ask you a few questions about what you're trying to insure, and then you're done. It shows you the policies you can sign up for, and the prices right there, so it's very easy to compare. I love using these guys. It's so easy, they've helped over 4 million people shop for insurance and placed over $20 billion in coverage. Don't let insurance shopping suck anymore. Use these guys. Make it quick and easy. If you need life insurance but you've been putting it off because it's too confusing or you don't have the time, check out Policy Genius. It won't be confusing. You will have the time because it's quick. Go to policygenius.com, get quotes and apply in minutes. It's that easy. You can do it right now. And you should because, like I said, rates are their lowest in 20 years. Policy Genius is the easy way to compare and buy life insurance.
3: All right. Thank you, Andrew. Moving on, this week in Hidden from the Headlines comes a story from my home state of Georgia where some pretty supreme fuckery is underway to further (laughs) disenfranchise black voters in Randolph County, which is in the southwest part of the state. Um, Randolph County is predominantly black and has swung Democratic in all elections in recent history. It has nine polling places currently, but a new plan is on the move to shut down seven of them. Randolph County has no public transportation, so voters will largely be unable to reach the remaining two polling places without access to a private vehicle. Many residents of Randolph County do not have vehicles. Why is this happening now? Well, for that, we'll need to back up a little bit and look at Georgia's most recent gubernatorial primaries. Stacey Abrams is the Democratic candidate for governor, and she faces off against Brian Kemp this fall. While her list of accomplishments is long, the common narrative you hear about Abrams in the news is that if she wins, she'd be the first black female governor in U.S. history. Her opponent is effectively a mini Trump who ran on a racist and xenophobic rhetoric um, based campaign in order to win the Republican nomination. He even ran a campaign ad in which he threatened to kidnap undocumented immigrants in his truck and, quote, take them home. This is one of the most watched races in the United States right now with Abrams and Kemp running almost neck and neck, and the possibility of Georgia flipping blue for the first time since Democratic Governor Roy Barnes was ousted in 2002 makes this a particularly contentious race. So we might all be wondering why this background is relevant. Randolph County's election board, which consists of two members is behind this plan to shut down seven of the county's nine polling places. They claim that the polling places they want to close are in disrepair and not compliant with the Americans with Disabilities Act. However, these polling places were used as recently as Georgia's primaries in May and as well as the 2016 general election. Local elections boards fall under the jurisdiction of the Secretary of State. Any guesses who that is? It's okay if you don't know. I'll spoil it for you. Brian Kemp, who is the Republican is nominee for governor, is our Secretary oh. of State. Now, to his credit, he has called for Randolph County to abandon its plan to close these polling places. However, he has also declined to resign as Secretary of State amidst calls for him to do so. This is because his opponents view his position overseeing Georgia's elections operations as a strong conflict of interest with his current campaign to become governor.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, Kemp claims that these types of issues can and should be resolved on the county level, which leaves many people doubting the sincerity of his call to abandon the plan in the first place. Um, so just taking a step back here, I'm really curious to get any thoughts or reactions to the story.
0: Yeah, my first thought is just about that major conflict of interest. Like, how on earth can someone who's running for governor say, oh, I'm just going to shut down all the polling places in my opponent's likely winning districts? Like, that just really grinds my gears.
4: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well,
0: what
1: could he temporarily step down from this position?
0: No,
3: he could not. No, he, um, I mean, he was elected and again, to his credit, he's saying, Hey, listen, I was elected to this role and like, I'm not going to step down from it just because I'm running for something else. And there's really no rule in place saying that he has to or should do that. Um, but I, I do think that even if the tables were turned here and it were, um a majority conservative county that was having its polling places taken away and the person who oversaw that was a democrat i would have questions about that as well um it it just doesn't seem very ethical and certainly it seems disingenuous for that person to say hey i'm against this don't do that but Ultimately, I'm going to leave it up to you guys to decide what you do. Um, and really, the thing that I want to drive home here is this is being decided by two people. The board is only yeah, made up of two fucked. people. It used to be three. One of them resigned.
1: Even three isn't many.
3: Yeah, that's pretty No, crazy. not at all. <laughs>
1: uh...
3: So, obviously, we like to talk about things that you can do here on the show to... Um, sound off against these types of events, obviously reaching out to your representatives, especially if you live in the state of Georgia is going to be helpful. Um, But we also have some direct contact information we'd like to give you. So the Randolph County Board of Elections can be reached at 855-782-6310, extension 5. Um, Please note that they're going to be voting this Friday, August 24th. So it is coming up pretty soon. Mm-hmm. If you have anxiety about talking to someone on the phone, they can also be reached by email. And we're not making this up. It's from their website. Their email address is tblack.randolphcounty at gmail.com.
4: <laughs> cool. <laughs>
3: which, is, which is, you know, another question. I feel like anybody who uses a personal Gmail account for government business should be investigated. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Um, So please, please, please use your social channels to speak out about this. Don't let this story, like, don't let this die on the vine, because this has the potential to severely impact minority voters who need to have a large voice in this election, because we are looking at effectively what I think is... um, It's like the 2016 presidential election, except on the state level in Georgia. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: Brian Kemp is like a clone of Donald Trump.
1: Laura, what have you done? I'm curious to push back against this.
3: I have actually reached out to my representatives to bitch about it. And I tried calling the Randolph County Board of Elections, but they were closed. Oh. When I attempted to call them. So I'm going to continue calling for the rest of the week. Um, something that I'm planning on doing depending on what happens here, because it's really gonna come down to what happens on Friday. Um, I would be looking into what I could do come November to assist with transport to get people to the polls in the event that there are only two polling places left. Oh, so that's a good idea. Whether that's me driving down there and transporting people myself or whether it's donating to an initiative that is going to get like buses or something to move people around to get them where they need to go, I will put, I will put my stamp of approval on that and I will do it. Yeah.
1: I thought you were going to say, if you're nervous to call your representatives, talk to Kelsey and she'll make (laughs) you feel better.
0: (laughs) I'll coach you through it. Don't worry. Yeah
1: kelsey's starting a new business where she helps you call your representatives hey public speaking in a way yeah there you go hey it's all about the side hustle these days there you go okay it's time now for a confessional we have two gay ones actually um this first one's going to be here in the main show and then the second one we're going to do in after dark I'm a 25-year-old woman, have had some casual hookups with guys, but nothing serious. I've always had mild doubts about my sexuality, but honestly, I have no idea. I mean this sincerely. I really don't know. My guess is I'm bisexual, but you don't know for sure till you tried, so I'm going to London in two weeks on my own, and my plan is to visit a lesbian bar and just see what happens. Every time I think about that, I can't help but smile, but I'm not eager to share this with anyone I know. Not until I figure this out. Not because they wouldn't be supportive. I just don't want to make a big deal out of this. What do you guys think? Good idea or stupid? P.S. And (laughs) I was totally wondering this while I was initially reading this. I'm not going to London with the sole purpose of my sexual awakening. I have five days and about a dozen of plays I want to see. (laughs) (laughs) amazing talk about a great plot for a movie where you go somewhere else (laughs) to try and discover your sexuality (laughs) anyway what do you think of her plan y'all
2: i mean it seems like a safe endeavor because i don't know i feel like it's always braver to be or, or safe it's easy to be safe when you're at home but it's it's easier to be brave when you're very far away so
0: Here's another you you. here's another plot twist for that movie. They meet someone in London, and oh my God, they're from their hometown. Ah
1: <laughs> or I thought you were going to say Ten
2: would watch <laughs>
1: or I thought you were going to say they fall in love, and then they got to deal with the long distance relationship that too and at home she's still straight, but abroad she met she's met her true love, a woman. <laughs> I think this is a great idea. I give you credit for going to a bar by yourself. In general, I don't care yeah. where I am. I'm, I'm not going to a bar by myself.
0: <laughs> yeah. In all seriousness, I think that this is a really good idea to just kind of figure out if that curiosity is real and if it uh, might actually lead to something in the future.
4: Hmm. Hmm.
1: I'm trying to think. I've been to many a gay bar in London. I don't know about the lesbian bar scene. But if, if you're willing to see more guys than girls for at least a little bit, I do recommend Coup. KU, there are two of them and then fuck i'm forgetting the big club in london but it's gay and it's very fun ah it'll come to me at some point hopefully during this episode but good luck that sounds very exciting i think the fact that you are thinking about it and you're open to at least putting yourself in a situation where there will be lesbians um i think that's very brave of you and I think you might already be leaning towards by anyway. You sound like you might be pretty confident since you have the urge to at least try. Like I said, one more confessional coming up today in After Dark. And by the way, emailer, let us know how it goes.
3: Yeah, send us an update.
1: Yeah, Laura, let us know how it goes.
3: Yeah. (laughs) I'll do that. I'll provide... um... Vivid details. (laughs) All right. So we have a word from another one of our sponsors. You've heard us talk about me undies a million times, but why am I so obsessed with them? It's as simple as this. For once in my life, I actually look forward to putting my underwear on. Me undies are so comfy and have so many great designs. You'll be excited to take a peek into your underwear drawer every morning. And you can wear these undies for any occasion work, working out, sexy times, podcasting because all of your friends live on the internet. In all of these situations and more, me undies is there for you. Why are these so soft? Because they use micromodal fabric, which is fancy science talk for fluffy clouds and angel kisses. They're 3 times softer than regular cotton. It's the exact fabric you want down there. Me undies releases multiple fun prints each month in matching socks and bralettes. I just got a pair of incredibly soft Me Undies socks in the mail, and I cannot get enough of them. I love pairing them with my glow-in-the-dark jellyfish undies just to be super extra while I'm being extra comfy. <laughs> You're going to love these undies, but if you're not into it, just send them back for a full refund. Me undies just launched a brand new membership. You can level up your top drawer with new undies each month. Also, members gain access to exclusive prints that no one else can get, and they get special member pricing on every product Me Undies makes. And you can switch styles or skip any month you want. To get 15% off your first pair, free shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee, get your butt- over to MeUndies.com slash M-I-L-L. That's MeUndies.com slash M-I-L-L and your butt will thank you.
1: Laura, I did this a couple weeks ago when you last did an ad for them and I got mm-hmm. those jellyfish undies.
3: <gasps> Aren't they great? They're
1: great. And I signed up for the membership and the next ones coming are peaches. <gasps> yeah, they're super cute. They, they've got faces on them too, just like our album art, how we got faces on oh. everything. Yeah.
3: They sent me a pair once that were dumplings that were like that. Aww.
1: It
3: was really cute. Yeah,
1: it's really adorable. Maybe we can sell them the rights to our smiling avocado toast and donut.
3: (laughs) That, oh, if we could get, like, exclusive millennial print meat undies. Oh, my God. That
1: would be really fucking cool.
3: Yeah, it would. Let's send them a suggestion.
1: (laughs) Um, I figured out the gay club I was talking about. It's Heaven. It's called Heaven. And it's right near Charing Cross Road. So it's pretty centrally located next to Trafalgar Square. And it's a great place. It's very large and very gay. So check that out if you have a chance.
3: Andrew, that was like a cross between like fake American-British <laughs> 1950s BBC and Australian. <laughs>
1: Well, I've been watching a lot of TV lately, clearly. (laughs) (laughs) All right. It's time now for... Surprise, Right. Surprise,
4: bitch. Hello? Mana. Oh, my God. Andrew?
1: (laughs) It's about time, right? (laughs) Oh, my God.
4: I'm so excited. Hello.
1: Hello. How are you? Am I pronouncing your name right?
4: Uh, It's pronounced Mana, but since... You know, you're you. I'll let it slide.
1: Yeah, that's why you knew it was me, because I was pronouncing it wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
4: what,
1: what are you up to? Oh, how are
4: you? Oh, I'm doing well. I
1: just got off work. Oh, great. Where do you so, live?
4: Yeah. Um, I work at a big tech company in the Silicon
1: Valley. So. Oh, shit. My girl's oh, rich. Shit. You are rich. <laughs> yeah, you're Listen, laughing
4: because it's have, true. I have good life. Up the wazoo. So so I'm still paying them off. Not rich yet. Yeah.
3: But the main question that I have for you is: Uh Can you afford avocado toast? Um.
4: Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Good. So confident. I I also choose to afford it. I love
1: avocados. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, the main question I have for you is: Tell me what's in the new iPhone.
4: Oh, my God. Andrew. <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs>
1: uh, maybe she does work for Apple. Interesting. Anyway, um, <laughs> hey, we were talking about destination weddings earlier. Have you been to any of
4: those? <sighs> um, so I'm Indian, and a couple of my relatives have gotten married in India. Okay. And that's not really, like, a destination wedding, like, but it's still international.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, we were just saying how crazy they are, especially because there was a recent report claiming that millennials can't buy houses because they spend all their money on going to destination weddings.
4: Oh my gosh. Wow, okay. So that makes sense because, I mean, that sounds kind of ludicrous, but um, there are a lot of friends of mine that have gone to other people's destination weddings and they make like a whole trip out of it. But I'm not sure a trip would prevent you from buying a house,
1: right? Just like avocado toast wouldn't.
4: Exactly. It's not like I buy one every day. <laughs> it's like it's a little treat yourself, avocado toast.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. We also wanted to ask you about the midterm elections, but actually, since you're in the Bay Area, do you um,
4: uh-huh.
1: are politically what are you making of Trump's backlash to? the fires that have been engulfing California.
4: Oh, man, I did not read up on the political news today. Can you guys inform me? Oh, he's said? just
1: been blaming like the fires on Canada and California not taking enough water from the Pacific. What? Yeah.
4: That's why fires happen?
1: Yeah, I know. It doesn't make any sense. Like <laughs> I a lot mean, I
4: think it's just kind of sad that the fires are happening there's a lot of dry brush here and they happen pretty often and it's really sad what they're doing to houses and displacing people like i don't think you should just i mean i don't think he should just blame people in canada or whatever i mean i don't even follow i need to read some articles
1: <laughs> <laughs> i thought you would ha- have any of have any of the fires been close to
4: you um, the Napa-Sonoma fire was, I mean, it affected my friend's wedding location. She was getting married in Sonoma. Oh, damn. And so she had to, you know, deal with some vendor situation over there and see if her venue was still able to accommodate her and her party. But, yeah, like, it's affected people, definitely. I mean, you can still see some of the the damage when you drive around Sonoma. So. Yeah. Still, so prevalent.
1: And and now your friend's gonna have to have a destination wedding, and you can't afford that because <laughs> you gotta <laughs> save for a house.
4: I know. So now I'm right here. Now she has to to like the Dominican Republic <laughs> or wherever people get married. I don't even know.
1: <laughs> do you like living in the Bay Area? Do you think you're gonna stick around there?
4: I grew up here, so I do love it. It's a little liberal bubble, which I do enjoy. But um yeah, it's a little stressful. I mean, especially working in tech, like you're kind of just working a lot. So I hope one day I can take like a long trip somewhere or like people get all fancy and take sabbatical, so maybe I'll end up doing that. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
1: Well, you're going to yeah. earn it after you release the new Apple Watch in a few weeks, which I'm very excited for, by the way.
4: I have no idea what you're talking about.
1: <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we'll let you go. Thank you for your support. Thank you for letting oh, me tease thank you. You,
4: for, you guys are the best. You guys look like week every week you guys are on so thank, oh, well, thank you.
1: you. Thank you very much. You're gonna make You're me crying. cry. Yeah.
3: Stop it, Laura! I can't make you cry. <laughs> You're make it's cry. happy. It's happy
4: tears. It's a happy <laughs> oh, okay, cry. Good.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay.
4: Finally.
1: All right. Well, thanks again, and thanks for your long time support. And have a good night.
4: Thanks for calling. Have a good night.
1: You're so welcome. Bye.
4: Bye. Bye. Bye.
1: Oh, she was sweet.
3: You know, it's funny. I used to work for um, a tech company that rhymed with um, Mapple. Mm-hmm. And you had to be very careful about how you answered questions like the ones you were asking. Yeah, right? I,
1: yeah. I'm expecting an email later. Hey, can you edit out all that stuff for you? <laughs> I mean, I'm just guessing. I don't freaking know. It's either that or Google or Facebook or... Uber? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Uh, But I really am excited for that new Apple Watch. The rumors look pretty sweet. All right. Well, that's what we have for everybody this week. Until After Dark, that is. Coming up, we've got another confessional. And Kelsey put together a game for us. Oh, boy. We're going to face the facts. We are going to hear what our verbal fillers are. Because Kelsey actually went back... She listened to episode 430 to study what each of our verbal verbal fillers were, and she, oh god, we're gonna I guess don't what do that they normally, were.
0: I promise.
1: <laughs> she told me that in the email too. We're gonna guess what they are, and then you're also gonna help us conquer them. I am with a, with a little challenge. So this will be great. This will be like a little lesson for us. I can't wait.
0: Yeah, and you guys get it for free
1: yeah Ooh, i like free well if you do really good maybe we'll refund you a month of patreon to thank you for hey, your time look
0: at that <laughs>
1: <laughs> but kelsey it has been great having you on the show today thanks well, for thank joining you so us. much
0: for having me i've really enjoyed being here
1: good are you in the millennial group i am okay maybe if anybody has any questions for you they can shoot you questions maybe if you then they need they need tips or something
0: yeah absolutely
1: and you can you know, feel free to charge them. I mean, do what you want. doesn't matter to <laughs> me. <laughs> um, and Laura, what's our closing song today?
3: Our closing song today is uh, in memory of the Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin. Mm. And the song is Rock Steady.
1: Okay. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew.
3: I'm Laura. I think we lost Pam. Oh. Yeah, Pam's power went out. Oh,
1: no. Pam's power went out. And who's that last person over there?
0: (laughs) And I'm Kelsey.
1: Thanks, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. so good it's insane
3: i know at work somebody put on an aretha franklin playlist the day that she died and just had it playing and oh oh just broke my heart yeah
1: actually somebody on my street was blasting it out their window the afternoon she died to let everybody hear i thought that was sweet oh man and um i watched her performance of a natural woman from uh Mm -hmm. the kennedy center awards was that it and, Probably and uh, Obama's there and what's that woman? I'm forgetting her name, but she was losing her shit as Aretha was performing this, and this was only a few years ago. She was performing up until last year. I actually, I love, I love watching final performances, like final interviews, stuff like that before somebody dies. She still had it together last year. She was belting out those chords. I was like, damn, girl, good for you, living a full life.
3: Yeah, to the very end.